comes from 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 5 through 10. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God asked, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on the throne this very day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. Next we go to John chapter 14 verses 15 through 26. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The word cannot accept, world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who, he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to my Father who sent me. All of this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So if God appeared to you and told you to ask for whatever you wanted, what would you choose? Here in the Bible, Solomon encountered such an awesome opportunity. This morning in our prayers of the Bible series, we're going to conclude with Solomon, considered the wisest man of, of his time. And down through the ages, knowledge and wisdom have been highly praised. Solomon's wisdom was measured by how much he wrote. According to 1 Kings, in chapter 4, it says, he spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs numbered 1,005. But you know, I think another mark of wisdom for, for many people 
has been the number of books that they possess. I spent Friday in, in Canton and, and then visited the, the First Lady's National Memorial. Um, and I, I learned about the role that Dolly Madison played in saving the artifacts from the White House when the British burned most of Washington, D.C. during the War of 1812 and, and uh, much of it to, to the ground. And that included the Library of Congress. It had some 30,000 books at that time. After the war, Congress purchased Thomas Jefferson's library to restart the Library of Congress. About 6,500 books he had. That's a lot of books for one man to own. I've got seven bookcases with books and I estimate I have like 950. <laughs> it's like, I have some work to do yet. But all that pales in comparison to that of Abdul Qasam Ismail back in the 10th century. He was the Grand Vizier of Persia. Very wealthy man, very educated he had a library that consisted of 117,000 volumes. They would have more likely been more like scrolls than you know, uh, our bound books that we have today. But Abdul loved his books so much that when he traveled, and he traveled a lot, he never parted with his books. 117,000 <laughs> scrolls. Whoops. I do not look forward to any day in which I would ever have to move and pack up all my books to take with me. Reader's Digest ha had an article a few years back that explained how Abdul did this. He used about four hundred camels and loaded them up with his library. These camels were trained to walk in alphabetical order so that he could obtain the volumes that he wished at any moment's notice. So wisdom. In our text this morning here from 1 Kings, Solomon could have asked for anything. He could have asked for blessings like wealth. He could have asked for good health. I mean, how many of us would, you know, God says, you know, you can have anything. And I'm sure that would be one of the things that we would think of. Something to, to make life easier. But Solomon prays for wisdom or discerning heart. Something that has eternal value. And the scriptures record God was pleased with Solomon's prayer. So we want to explore this morning the implications of this prayer for, for wisdom to, to our lives today. Solomon prayed for a discerning heart for a couple of reasons. To, to kind of help put this into context, first, he needed to, to counsel to, to govern the people and to do it well. 
we see that in verse 9, he, he wanted to distinguish between right and wrong. And that takes counsel to, to know the difference. We'll talk more about the various nuances uh, of wisdom here in a moment, but you know, let's put Solomon's story and, and this posture for prayer into context for you. Uh, back at the beginning of his reign, Solomon had made an alliance with the Egyptian pharaoh and married his daughter. He commissioned the building, building of the palace, uh, the temple, the wall around Jerusalem was Solomon's doing. Before making his request for wisdom, Solomon was already showing his love for God by walking in the footsteps of his father, David. He offers here in this prayer words of praise and gratitude, acknowledging God's kindness. And that allowed him to succeed his father, to, to reign in Jerusalem. Solomon would have been about 30 years old at this time. But did you catch that he assumes the position of childlike humility in his prayer? Before God, he admits, I am only a little child, and I don't know how to carry out my duties. It's like Solomon is saying, you know, I'm so inexperienced, I don't know what I need to know. Lord, I need your help. Have you ever cried that out? Lord, help me. Can we do the same? Or do we allow pride to get in the way? Lord, I don't need your help. I know how to do this. I can do it. I'm strong. I'm independent. Let's face it. A lot of times we think we know what's best, don't we? Solomon calls himself a servant of the Lord. A servant. He feared the Lord. And he knew that that fear of the Lord, or, or what I call reverence, is the beginning of wisdom. And so he recognized where to go. So how do we apply this to us today? First, I, I've shared as part of my call story as, as a journalist and, and then a pastor, wisdom and knowledge are not the same. Not the same thing. Solomon is not asking for more information here. He's not asking for more books, more scrolls, knowledge. He's asking to be able to distinguish between right and wrong. And that lies at the heart of the difference between wisdom and knowledge. You can know, you can know every word in this book you can know it front page to back page. But if you don't apply it to your life, does it really do you any good? That's wisdom. Achieving knowledge involves collecting facts. And while, while that's an important part of learning, it's just the beginning of the learning, learning process. The next and even more important step is applying that knowledge to the decisions and the challenges that we face every day. 
Ephesians 1.17, it encourages asking God to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And James, when we were doing our Bible study on James in chapter 1, verse 5, it promises that God will give wisdom to those who ask. If any of you lacks wisdom, James writes, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Just like Solomon, we can and we should ask God for wisdom. Solomon could have asked for many things, wealth and good health, but he chooses to ask for wisdom. Why? Well, because wisdom involves responding to God's will, developing a, a strong and a holy character, a, a disposition that sets us apart from the world. We must evaluate our decisions in light of whether they will lead us closer to God or farther away from God. That's wisdom. We have to carefully consider whether we're allowing our minds to take in things that we shouldn't. Philippians 4.8 urges us, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. In other words, think about the godly things. Otherwise, junk in, junk out. I think wisdom also is about seeking guidance for, for how we use our resources. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, Paul writes, I have the right to do anything. Boy, do we see that today. They'll raise their fist at you. I have the right to do that. But not everything is beneficial. Paul says, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. And here's the great tie-in to Pentecost. That point in time when Jesus asked God to send the Holy Spirit. He's our guide. He's our counselor. He's our comforter. He's our advocate. He's our moral compass. God offers us wisdom through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, that's how we apply the knowledge to our lives. So from Solomon's prayer, here are some things to, to learn. We need to recognize the hand of God in our lives. Solomon not only recognized God's goodness and his faithfulness, but he made it very personal. If you look at how, he, how that's written there, he, he praised God for his hand in, in, his father, in his father's work, in King David's life. 
And and then in his own life, that Solomon was able to carry this on, he understood how much he needed God's direction going forward. We need that too. We need to recognize where, where God has worked in our past and appreciate how he's working in the present. Secondly, we, we need to learn to listen better for understanding. Solomon asked for a discerning heart, a heart that hears and understands. Godly leaders listen. Applying James 1.5 again, ask for wisdom, but check your heart. There, there's a passage from the Gospel of John, verse 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 7, that I think a lot of people misinterpret. Whatever you want, ask and it'll be given. Remember reading that in the Bible? Really? We can ask God for anything and we'll just get it? Go back and read that. John 15, 7. There's an if there that people tend to overlook. Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words, that knowledge that we have picked up, remain in you, the wisdom that we apply to our lives, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done. There's an if-then. It's a conditional. Not just anything that we could ask for. There's this sense of obedience, having a, a humbling heart. This was the principle at work here, I think, in Solomon's prayer when he asked for wisdom. You know, loving God, he, he unselfishly wanted to, to bring God honor. That was first and foremost in Solomon's mind. All of our prayers should come from a humble heart, a, a surrendered heart. Wanting to bring glory to God first. Then, whatever, to someone else, to ourselves, whatever the subject of that prayer is. When, when we approach God... In that way, then, then we're submitting to his authority. We're, we're recognizing God's power. God is worthy of all glory. This is his house, as we started with this morning. The Holy Spirit is present here today. And in seeking God... Solomon made God's glory a priority. We need to, we must do the same. When we talk about vision and vision of the church, or, or, or even for us as individual Christians, I believe we need to ask ourselves that question. Are we doing what we're doing for the glory of God? 
or is it for some other self-interest? Later on here in 1 Kings, Solomon prayed a blessing over the people of Israel so that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is no other. Is that our prayer? That all may know God? We should, we should cultivate an interest in others, that they would want to know who God is, that, that they would see Jesus in us. The little Christ, C.S. Lewis talks about and, and surely had on the, on the sign out here this past week. It helps us to appreciate it and to magnify his gifts that he has given us. And others will, will see Jesus through us. They'll have an interest. They'll want to know, who is this God? Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. We, we often would read this at Advent time because it, it foreshadows the coming of Christ. But Isaiah 11, 1 to 3, it provides a foundation for these gifts of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah writes, A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. As Christians, we understand these verses as describing Jesus, the, the, the coming Messiah, and, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're perfectly present in Jesus. Since Pentecost, these gifts of the Holy Spirit, they're also offered to us. If we accept Christ in our lives, when we abide in Him, and there are little nuances that make each of these a little different from each other, even though we see how they're all tied in to wisdom. There, there's wisdom itself, the capacity to receive and, and, and perceive God's creation, the creative work of God, who's at work in our lives, and being able to, to appreciate that and understand that, that, that God is at work in the world, and how we can apply that. That's wisdom. It, it's particularly important in, in finding God in all things particularly in all that happens to us, even those trials and those testings and those challenges in, in others that we meet. Wisdom. Understanding to analyze, to be able to reason, to resolve problems. I, I hear a lot of talk in, in the schools about critical thinking. Are we teaching kids how to think critically. We're, we're, we're giving them the knowledge, 
but the wisdom comes from how to use that knowledge, how to apply that knowledge in their lives, how, how to think critically. And part of that is to make that decision to follow Christ in our day-to-day lives. Counsel. That, that discernment between what's right and wrong, that, that's part of what Solomon is, is asking God for here. To choose right over wrong and to be able to act accordingly. James talks about heavenly wisdom and worldly wisdom. At its best, worldly wisdom is always going to fall short of godly wisdom. Why? Because human wisdom, that which is based on ourselves, that has lower standards. Have you ever gone into Walmart and walked back to the electronics department and all the wide variety of TV sets they have back there on display? You'll see TVs for $200, $300, and then back there on the back wall, there's a $1,500 TV set, or maybe $1,600. Now, of those two price ranges of televisions, which do you think would be the better TV? The more expensive? But the lower price TV gives you a picture, a pretty good picture, just like the high priced models. Why would we think that the high priced would be better? Because we've been taught that you get what you pay for. Yeah, the lower price model, it's going to get you a picture. But the standards of quality in those lower TVs are, they're lower. We think they're either more cheaply built, they they don't last nearly as long, they they have a smaller screen or whatever, but they work. They're giving us the picture and in pretty good quality at that. But our standards are lower, and so so the TV is cheaper. And the same is true knowing the difference between human wisdom and godly wisdom. Human wisdom is based upon lower standards. And, And what's that standard? Man, woman, humanity. We create that standard. And so we have all these different standards. Her standard may not be his standard, and that standard may not be this standard. And whose standard do we live by? Our judgments are based upon our own level of morality. By contrast, God tells us that his standards are higher than that. Isaiah 55, 9, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts than your thoughts. Our thoughts fall way short. Our ways fall way short. We cannot measure up to God. Romans 3.23 All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Whose glory is it that sets the standard? It's God's glory. 
That's why when God challenged Solomon to set his life on the right path, God didn't ask him to walk in the ways of his father David, nor did he ask him to walk in the ways of Moses. God says to Solomon, walk before me in integrity of heart, in uprightness. Walk according to God's counsel, discerning right from wrong. Next in, in these gifts surrounding wisdom that come from the Holy Spirit, we have fortitude, that is, overcoming fear, being willing to walk with Christ and to actively resist temptation, to, to give in to pressure, to give in to the masses, to give in to those humanly standards. The primitive Christian community is described as being full of courage to live according to to Christ's teaching, to, to be able to proclaim it, even if threatened with death. Knowledge, information, that capacity to know God and to love Him. Piety, this, this list from Isaiah, to, to, to live humbly, to walk with God in total respect as God's children. Piety draws us to prayer. It draws us here for this time of worship to lift up whose glory? God's glory. And then the fear of God. The capacity to be aware that we're always in God's presence. We can't run and hide like Jonah tried to do. Remember? To be in reverence to him. Proverbs 1.7. You know who wrote Proverbs? Solomon. This wise man. Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning to wisdom. Reverence, revering God for who he is and all that he is, that's the beginning of wisdom. Not books, not knowledge, but reverence to the one who created us. Humbling ourselves before him. Allowing his Holy Spirit to guide us, to grow us, to lead us. Ever-increasing technology and knowledge, people who are constantly seeking out new teachings but refuse to embrace the, the truth of your word, we desperately need your wisdom. Give us insight to, to understand how foolish we are without you. A desire to relentlessly pursue wisdom so, so that we can bring you the glory, that we can honor you. Teach us to fear you, to be in awe of you, to obey you so that our hearts will 
be prepared for, for each challenge that comes before us in the days ahead. Teach us your ways. Help us to become better listeners so that we can serve you in our individual callings. You, God, are the all-wise. And we look to you for the direction that we need. Thank you for Jesus who became for us wisdom from God. And the Holy Spirit who guides us in our lives today. We pray this in the name of Jesus who, who asked for the Holy Spirit to be sent. To give us the opportunity for the Spirit to live in us and through us. In His name we pray. Amen. Now go forth in wisdom, in hope, and in peace with hearts open to recognize God in our midst. Courage to create more space and grace in our lives and in the world. Amen.